Welcome to the Contra Stoic Podcast. In this series, guests will share their stories to help each of us broaden our perspective. Learning who they were, where they are, and what sparked their change can help us connect, see others for who they are, learn new ideas and ways to grow as we go through this journey we call life. Follow Conscious Stoic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more info, go to ConsciousStoic.com. Enjoy this episode. And today we have my esteemed, esteemed guest, Nick Mosley. How you doing, Nick? I'm good. You excited to be on this podcast? I am excited. Excited? Yeah, man. I'm just excited when you text me and I'm excited to be here. That's what's up, man. So, uh... For all our viewers out there, uh, Nick's one of my best friends, man. Me and this dude got to go to Barcelona together, have an amazing trip. Uh, we got to know each other real well before then, um, and we got to know each other even better when we were there. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking, talking about life, ways to grow, um, our practices. Nick loves to, he is an avid climber. Am I, is that what would you call yourself? Yeah, I love it. A climber? Yep, climbing's fun. <laughs> Climbing's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll start with um, the first question is, who is Nick Muslim? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, who are you? Nobody here. If, if you had to, and you do have to, explain to, to these viewers who don't know you, who are you? Give me a, a quick overview of who, who Nick is from a kid to, to now. I mean... So my childhood was nothing special, right? Uh, um, parents were around. Uh, it was odd, you know. My so my mom and dad are married, um, but my my mom lives here. My dad lives in L.A. <clears throat> um, so it kind of uh, led to like a dynamic of having to change a little bit when. I would be with my mom, right? And then my dad would come home whenever he could. And then I would have to change uh, whenever my dad would come around because, like, my mom would be kind of a pushover and my dad was just having none of it. Zero. Um, so a lot of times when my dad would come in, come in town, like, I just wouldn't come around, period, you know, in my relationship. Uh, because my dad, uh, my dad's a hard-ass, man. My dad's a hard-ass. He wants... His version of growing up and being a man is uh, is being a man of your word and being honest and uh, being a hard worker. Um, and none of those were in my foreseeable future at the time at all. Uh, I was a pretty, uh, I wasn't a very good kid, you know. I mean, I guess that's all perspective when it comes to, you know, things that have happened to me or things that I've experienced or that I've done as opposed to what other people have done. Sure. But in my own eyes, like I just wasn't a very good kid, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. And then, uh, and so, um, I went to two high schools. I went to Sunrise Mountain over in Peoria and then I got in a fight over there and I got expelled. But let me tell you, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that I was, uh, bullying anybody or anything like that it was actually that i was getting bullied gotcha yeah um some kid came up and uh uh this kid he, all through elementary school would come up and he would actually take my hat off my head and he would flush it in a toilet um like at, in the movies 
I, yeah. I didn't know that shit happened in real life. Yeah, yeah. He took it the first time he did it. Uh, he took my took my good old John Deere hat, took it in a urinal, and uh, peed all over it right in front of me. You know. Um, and so my sophomore year, summer of high school, uh, I decided that like I'd had enough bullying, you know, and uh, um, I learned how to box. I went. This is my first experience at a boxing gym. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, and so we were at lunch one day, and man, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was just sitting there minding my own business, and I was I kind of hung out with the nerds, you know. Mm -hmm. I played a lot of World of Warcraft, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, kept to myself quite a bit. Um, and uh, and he came up and. I had my hat on backwards and he did the same old, same old, you know, I uh, came up and just knocked my hat right off the back of my head, like a upper slap to the bottom of the bill of the hat. Um, and I just turned around and I slept him. Um, knocked him out. Knock, one punch. One punch, man. Knocked him out. And uh, it was such a surreal experience, right? It was such a surreal experience because um, right after that, uh, the principal of the school came up and he lifted me up by my shirt, like off the ground and he carried me into the principal's office. And I tried to explain to him what happened, right? Uh, like, Hey, like I'm just defending myself here. And it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter. It was, uh, I just, that's just what it was. And I had to go, uh, but something happened out of that. Right. Uh, for the first time in my life, uh, all the popular kids kind of started, uh, hitting me up, you know, They're like, Hey dude, you want to come chill? You know what I mean? Um, and at the time I didn't know it, but my next door neighbor was, uh, the man at my high school, the dude. Right. Um, and, uh, he, after that happened, he kind of brought me under his wing. It, and it was one of the best experiences of my life at the time. Right. Because I literally from overnight went to went from being this nobody kid to uh, hanging out with all these people, you know, like all the, all the hot girls and all the weed and all the parties, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, rest of my, the rest of my second high school, after I got expelled because of that, was just kind of downhill, but it was the funnest experience. Gotcha. I graduated, I graduated with a 2.0. Killing the game. 2.0. Is that a C or a D average? I believe that's a C average. All right. And that was because of my mom. Thank you, mom, uh, for getting me through that. Um, and yeah, like I uh, graduated high school and uh, I went to L.A. actually. I needed a job after I finished high school. So I went to L.A. When your dad was working? Yeah, my dad works on movies out there. Um, and so he got me a job and, you know, like all these really good big TV shows that a lot of us watch. And it was cool, man. It was cool. Like I was at the time, you know, I was like 18, you know, uh, living on Hollywood and sunset. I had this apartment, right. That was, uh, it was a studio apartment, but it was cool because like it overlooked the corner of Hollywood and sunset. So it was, it gave me like this feeling of always looking down on people which I felt like always had been happening to me. So I felt like I had like made it, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So juxtaposition, he switched. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, everything was going good. 
and then uh, it wasn't all going good, you know? Uh, a lot of bad, bad, bad decisions. Uh, and I firmly believe, man, that we're products of our environment, 100%. right? Um, you know how, like, you'll hear about that one dude from the Bronx or Compton, right, who goes to Harvard University and becomes, like, a lawyer, you know? Like, that one guy, the success story, right? Yeah. It's just not me. Yeah. It's just not not my... You're not the guy that made it no, up. No, no, I'm not the, I'm not the guy that made <laughs> it up at all. You're the statistic, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I, started doing, I started doing really hard drugs, right? Like, when I was working on these shows, um, it became very evident that, like, you're... You're paid during the week to work 12 hours a day to try and get these episodes for these TV shows done. And then after that, uh, you're paid on the weekend to not remember. Gotcha. Right? And it's cool because, like, when you're with celebrities, like, rules don't really matter as far as um, age limit for nightclubs go and drugs you can get and, uh, you know, liquor and all that stuff. Right? Women, whatever. Right? Rules just don't really matter. That's as hard as that's going to be for like some people to hear. Like that's just the, that's just the facts of it, right? Um, and uh, and so I uh, man, this is where this is where it starts going downhill. So I came home one weekend with my old man, and uh, and I tried Percocets for the first time. I sniffed it off the back of the toilet. And, uh, I, long story short, you know, nothing crazy happened there. Uh, we're going to skip some time, like skip like two or three TV shows. And then I was working on this, uh, this show called Sons, Sons of Anarchy. Right. And I was, uh, um, I was doing really well. I was doing really well on that show. Nothing really bad was happening. Uh, but I got into a relationship with, uh, the daughter of one of the executives over there. Right. Gotcha. And she was just the apple to my eye, you know? Um, but over the course of that time that I just told you that we skipped, like my drug habit had kind of spiraled out of control. So like, um, I'm coming to work trying to blend in and be this person, right. Then I'm getting off work and then I'm being in this relationship with, to try and be that person Then I'm coming home and then I'm really being Nick mm -hmm. strung out. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, and I mean, I don't know if how many of these, how many of your viewers watch TV, but like TV shot in seasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like TV shows are shot in seasons, like one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. When the season ends, the work ends, gotcha. right? So there's no money coming in. So before you know it, like I'm getting, I'm, I'm losing my apartment, right? Uh, the girl left me, right? And uh, it was like one of the lowest points of my life. And... I came back. My parents knew that I had a drug problem by this time. And uh, I came back and my, my parents did what they thought was best for me, man. I firmly believe it. Uh, I came back from living this lifestyle of like partying and, uh, you know, super hot girlfriend and hanging out with all these celebrities to I came home to nothing, nothing but the corner bedroom in my parents' house and a busing job. Back where you were before. Mm -hmm. It was like my life was going backwards. Mm -hmm. Right. And the people around me, I saw their life going forward, you know, and I noticed that life was moving on without me. Right. Uh, so skip a whole bunch of time again. And uh, I find myself in rehab for my first and only time. Uh, I, I went to this place called Calvary in Phoenix and, uh, 
it was it was such a beautiful experience, man. Like, uh, there sure you know what, man. There's a lot of people there that didn't necessarily want to be there. Of course, right? Um, but I got lucky enough to be have that gift of pure desperation. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I was so sick of being sick, yeah. physically ill. Yeah. You know, like if I didn't have my fix, like, and I was never, I was never one to, you know, have a, a whole bunch of narcotics on me so that I could make money to do it. Right. I was the one, you know, go, going into my parents' closet, you know, at like 21 years old, uh, trying to, uh, trying to find some money, stealing her debit card just to find out that the pin's been changed. And then my whole life falling apart in that second because I knew I couldn't get loaded. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And pawn shops weren't open that late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, man. I mean, long story short, you know, I've been sober ever since. You know, there's been ups and downs, of course. Uh, having taken a drink or a drug, you know, by the end of this month, uh, man, February 28, 2013 was my last drink. So by the end of this month, hopefully, uh, I'll have seven years sober, man. Um, it's low top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like things that have happened to me or things that I've got to experience in sobriety definitely rival the same feelings and emotions that I had when I was trying to control things before I got loaded. Or, I mean, before I got sober. 100%. You know? So. Some of the patterns repeat themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I've been finding them repeating themselves lately, man, with this new job that I'm doing. You know? Uh, find myself, you know, isolating a bit and. Uh, haven't been doing the things that I enjoy. Uh, Why do you think that? Why do you think when you start to see some success or you you get into a new thing, right? Not mm-hmm. just you. I just mean for a lot of us, we have these patterns of things start happening for us and we get a girlfriend, we get a new job. Right, we start focusing on different things, and all of a sudden, the things that mattered so much to us that got us in that position, we stop doing. I think I think that the feelings of euphoria that you get from those things that you're talking about, right, like those accomplishments or those material things or whatever, uh, you can uh, relate that feeling to drugs. You know, like think about it. Like you get like okay. Your, your goal was to, was to make, you know, $70,000 or something, right? Uh, and then you make it, right? But the question is, what did you have to sacrifice to make that, right? Or the, the woman, right? Like, uh, the, and that's a whole, we can go on for hours about my... <laughs> women problems, yeah. relationship issues, yeah. which I know a lot of listeners probably have themselves, yeah. or maybe we don't want to admit it, right? Yeah. But I sit back and I look at that stuff and it's like, because there's a couple things that stood out to me for you, right? When you talked about knocking the kid out, doing boxing, knocking the kid out, and then that feeling of acceptance, right? Yeah. Then you talked about being in Hollywood and working on these sets and living in that corner apartment, looking down on people and that feeling of acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Then you talked about hanging out with celebrities where the rules don't apply. Right? Right. And that feeling of acceptance that comes with being better than, right? When you talked about you felt like you were looking down on people. Yeah. Like you felt like those kids looked down on you when you were the nerdy kid. Yeah. 100%. And it's just weird, right? That 
we live this life because even the last guest that I talked to, there was always this feeling of searching for a place to belong. Yeah. No matter where. Yeah. No matter where it is, it's the the I'm the super meditative yoga, and this is my identity. Yeah, man. Like whether it's whether it's that or whether it's even so much as like uh, you know uh, this way of life that like a lot of the, my friends, a lot of my friends and myself and you like use to remain. Uh, sober you know what I mean mm -hmm. like it, that could be related to anything who is right? what would Nick do if there were nobody no groups to be a part of if there was no identity outside of self what would Nick do and who would Nick be I would be I would be I think I think I've gotten a lot better with this with this whole topic but I think if the what you're, if the situation that you're talking about were to ever occur, I think I would be so fucking happy. Why do you say that? Uh, because at the end of the day, man, like as human beings, like I think part of the human condition is to want to want to be accepted, right? Yeah. Is to is to want to be, uh, you know, um, have these have a group of people or your family or whatever that like totally accepts you you for you. You had to have it back then. Right. Because you died. You weren't in a group. If you were alone by yourself, you'd get eaten in the wilderness by some animal. Right. So you had to have that internal, natural yearning to have acceptance from a group so that you could be safe. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's crazy that you said that, man, and like that this is where this conversation has gone because I was watching this podcast and it was talking about how hard it is to be a teenager now mm -hmm. in this day and age, right? Like... And this is the easiest way to put it. So he, he, he busted out this chart and it was the mortality rate of people since, uh, I'm sorry, the mortality rate of adolescents between 15 and 25 uh, since I believe it was 2011 when the entire Facebook, Instagram thing just completely took off. Yeah. And he said that they're up by over 70%. Wow. Right. And it's even worse for women uh, because here's what happens, right? Like uh, you when you and I like had a, had a disagreement in high school, right? Like what would happen? Fight it out. Right. Like you meet up in the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood or whatever, you guys would fight it out and then you guys would go on about your day. Like you guys wouldn't talk to each other or mess with each other or whatever, right? Like you don't like each other, mm -hmm. right? Now, uh, what they do is they completely demolish your social status and they make everybody else hate you, right? And they make you feel alone, right? Um, and that was, it took me near, it took me six and a half years sober to figure out that my biggest fear of my life is the fear of being left behind. Mm. Right? Even what does that even mean? Though? So for example, the day I went to rehab, uh, the reason I went to rehab was not because I was sick, right? Or anything like that. I was sick every day, you know? The reason that I went to rehab was because I opened up Facebook, right? And I saw a bunch of my friends that I went to high school with who were my best friends or were like long before the drugs ever hit, uh, graduating, graduating college in the cap and gown, right? Mm -hmm. Their lives were moving on without me, right? Everybody's lives were moving on without me, you know? And here I was bouncing in and out of my parents' house, you know, sometimes homeless, sometimes, you know, when they would let me back. But if they ever would let me back, every time I'd leave the house, one of their things is coming with me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, AKA, he was stealing from people who yeah. he stole from his parents if he didn't get that one. Yeah. Just want to keep the keep the viewers and the <laughs> listeners involved. Yeah. 
Um, and I, and it was so crazy, man, because that's what led me to meeting you and you coming over to my apartment when the di the second I called you, you know, you and I had never had like that close of a conversation. Um, but that was the exact feeling I was left behind, mm -hmm. you know, or that's how I felt anyways. I really wasn't left behind. Um, and I had to learn that later on, but like at the, in that moment, I, that was hands down the most left behind I'd ever felt. And that was going through heartbreak, you know, um, and it was, it was so hard, you know, like I help, I help quite a few, quite a few guys uh, out with this now. Right. A lot uh, because of the, like a lot of the knowledge that you gave me, you know, a lot of the ways that like you taught me how to live, you know, like I can tell you offhand, like five or 10 guys that have all seen, what's that video of, that you showed me of the African-American lady? Lisa Nichols. Lisa Nichols. I can tell you like. I just showed that to somebody. Yeah, I know you told me yeah. that video. That video, you and I, I think, are single-handedly just keeping that video going. That amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a game-changing video. Yeah, we'll have we'll have we'll have Marcus put a link to it in the description or I'll something. If you guys the description below. Yeah, and I'll uh, if you're listening on Google Play or something, I won't be able to to link it in the description, but I'll put it somewhere where everybody can get to it. Lisa Nichols, uh, inspiration. There's, there's just so many of them. Yeah. There's like. 80 videos of her on there. She's a beast. Yeah. She's, a, she's an amazing motivational speaker. Yeah, she's great. But that's a, that's like, I figured out that like, you, you asked like, what would happen like if I, uh, if like there was nobody to like accept me, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that like, number one, like I think, you know, I think the whole world would be happy because like if there was nobody to accept you, then you wouldn't really care about being accepted, right? Mm -hmm. But number two, I think that, <clears throat> it takes a certain amount of self-knowledge and self-awareness to understand that um, if nobody uh, if nobody knows the real Marcus, right, or the real Nick, then they would never accept me anyways. Or if they're accepting you, it's not based off of, it's not based off of anything. Real. Right, it's based off of, it's based off of pure fantasy. Right. right. I'm going to change myself to be who you want me to be so you can like me. Exactly. Angles on Instagram. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like this. It's like this isn't you. You know that's why. That's why. Like I'm. I haven't done anything on social media for like quite a while. You know. I mean, I posted a picture of this on my story just now, but I mean, it, besides that, like, um, like if you li if you're listening to this right now, right? Think about this. Like, how many people do you know on Instagram that you look at, right? Uh, that you think are good looking on Instagram, but they look totally different in real life. Yeah. Because it's, it's the best version of everybody. Right, exactly. Nobody's posting their, their crappy, shitty photos. Yeah. It's, look at me, look how good I look. Mm -hmm. Please give me acceptance. And I and maybe we can we can argue that fact up and down, whether or not people are seeking acceptance on social media. But the truth of the matter is, because I know I am when I did it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, but on social media, I did it. So do, so do I. But think about it. Be, on, be honest here, bro. How many people would sit here and admit that? Most people won't say it to themselves. Yeah. No, not at all. Because so much is built, so much of our culture and so much of our identity is built around this thing that we're naturally, like, it's not wrong. Yeah. We, we are naturally driven to seek acceptance. The yeah. problem is in 2020, it's not necessary to life anymore. And it, like, think about that. Kids are being bullied on an internet thing that's not even real. This internet thing. Mm -hmm. you go to school you get in a fight and then they post some stuff and then they make you look stupid and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden kids are, are killing themselves because of what they perceive that people think of them Yeah, 
And it's, it's so wild, man, because it's so easy, right? It's so easy, especially for adolescents, man, especially for adolescents. It's so easy for them not to see that this is just temporary, right? Like, like at the end of the day, like, do, do people have like a mixed opinion of you because somebody posted a status on Facebook, totally airing out your closet? Maybe so. Right. Exactly. And the, you think that people will remember that, you know, six months from now, no. like a year from now? And even if they do, does it matter? Right. Because anybody's closet can be aired out. People air out their closet when they do it in a positive way and people are clapping for them. Mm -hmm. But then the same thing happens in a negative way and people are booing them. Yeah. People are easily manipulable. Yeah. People can be manipulated by a crowd so easy. The test they did, right, where they, uh, they put, like, some people up and they had these machines, right? And they would, like, they would have somebody standing next to them and they would have them press the buzzer to torture them, right? And when they have a, like, it was like a test of how, of what happened with, uh, with uh, Hitler and the Nazis and how they could get people to do stuff like that. Or, yeah. or good people to stand by while bad things were done to those, to those people, right? And what they found out was that people are willing to do things right mm -hmm. to other human beings when they feel like there's an authority figure around them or this fear of not belonging right when you're a german guy and you see these jewish people being hurt you're going to go along with it because you're afraid that if you stand out that something's going to happen to you or your family or you're not going to be accepted and if i'm not accepted right yeah. then i won't have a place to be and everything's going to fall apart and the truth is is right like in our country right now, like you don't need anybody to accept you to be. Oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen if my friends on Facebook don't like me? I mean, I think Marcus, that the way that you and I look at things like this is much different than everybody else. So we could sit here and talk about that till we're blue in the face, but it wouldn't matter. But that's the like, point to get the to get perspectives out that are different than those of the norm. Yeah. So that somebody listening can be like, you know what, man, like. What? What if you deleted your Facebook? Does the world stop? Let's say right. you deleted your that was, if one of those kids who got bullied just deleted it, didn't see it. What if you would lived in this world that you didn't even know what anybody posted about you? Yeah. Would you act any different if you didn't know that anybody was saying anything about you? You'd be the same person. Right. But, but now take that same person and show up a bunch of negative videos and tweets and Facebook post about you and then have that person walk into the same situation with the same people and watch how differently they act. Yeah. All based off perception of what someone thinks of you. When it's not real, what you think of me doesn't actually affect me. It's how I perceive it as that affects me, right? And that's just crazy to think about, like how much of my perception of what I believe of you or what you what I believe you think of me controls the way that I act in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the pursuit, here's the thing, right? I think, uh, there's, there's this thing called the pursuit of happiness, uh -huh. right? I think that more people are in the pursuit of acceptance than happiness. What if they see acceptance as happiness? If you Still like acceptance, I like myself. Right. But right. I guess I guess I guess you're right. That's a good you know way to I mean? look it's at it. It's the same thing. Yeah. You're still you're you're still looking for happiness, but you're looking for happiness and acceptance. Right. And you believe that if, if Nick likes me, if Nick likes me, then that means I'm a good dude because Nick's cool. Yeah. 
That's the same thing you did in high school. Same thing I did in high school. Yeah. Looking for people to give me validation for myself because I can't find it. Yeah. I think I think when it comes to anything like that, it's weird because like I feel like the people that you and I surround ourselves with are cut from a different cloth, right? Like our our close our my close closest friends, like you and like four other people, were cut from a different cloth than that now. We were cut from the same cloth for, for that for as that or as that for quite a long time, sure. But like I think that through uh the searching of the soul that I think that I firmly believe that that's the only way that you can find out who you really are. And also spending time alone. That's huge. Yeah. Not isolating. Big difference. Yes. Big difference. I'm talking about taking the time um, when you would be, when you're totally happy, right? Taking that time like you taught me on a Saturday night, right? And telling people like, hey man, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay home. Just gonna stay home, clean, watch a movie. I don't know. You've done that to me plenty of times. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna hang out. But the difference between isolation and spending time alone is what you're doing with that time. Yeah. If you're sitting in remorse and thinking about how pitiful and sad your life is, that's called isolation. If you're spending that time in meditation and reading and putting the positive information into your brain, that's spending time with yourself where you're reflecting over ways you can change and not looking at them in remorse. Right? Or, or, or pretending like everything in your head's okay when really on the inside of your head you're going crazy. And I don't think that you said like the cut from the same cloth. I agree with that to a point, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that we're all cut from the same cloth when we're born, right? Right. And that cloth is fresh and clean mm -hmm. and there's nothing on it. Yeah. And as you go through life, that cloth starts to pick up shit and it starts to get dirty and it starts to get dirty and then you get in a fight. And then you get acceptance and you get a little bit more mud. And then you get a little bit of cake. And somebody spills a soda. And all of a sudden, this, this very clean cloth starts to become dirt. Product of your environment. Right. And then at some point, right, for, for most people, I would hope, right, is that you start to clean that cloth off. And you start to wash out those stains one by one. Mm -hmm. And each one of those stains need to be treated differently. Some of them you need to use bleach. Some of them you need to use cleaner. Sometimes you need to use vinegar. Sometimes you need to scrub. Sometimes you need to let it sit in cold water or hot water. And what happens is a lot of those stains that we've carried our whole life, they start to wash off of that cloth and we start to change. Yeah. And the more you take that cloth, right? White cloth, black cloth, red cloth, orange cloth, right? And I'm an orange cloth and I'm hanging out with the purple cloths and my internal cold is telling me that I'm different but because I want to be a purple cloth, I start taking, I start trying to dye my cloth purple. Right. I start trying to dye it so I can fit in. But it'll never work. Right. I'm dyeing it, and now I'm looking at the purple cloth, and I'm a purple cloth, and then what happens? A little bit of the purple rubs off, and it's a little orange, and they're like, and I'm like, no, I'm a purple cloth, I promise. And yeah. try to, it's that, that thing people say, if, if you wouldn't like me if you knew me. When I yeah. hear people say that, you wouldn't like me if you knew me. Why are you hanging out with me? Yeah, it's why like then I don't want that. I don't want to hang out with you. Or no, why do you get? Why are you hanging out with me if you're not like me? Yeah, don't hang out. Like go find your people. Yeah, if you're an orange cloth, be a fucking orange cloth, man. Yeah, because then you don't have that fear anymore. People find just be who you are. Then you don't have to worry about people getting to know you. Because that means you're not letting me know you if you're worried about me finding out who you are. Yeah, just be you.
Mm -hmm. You accept orange cloths. You attract more orange cloths when you're an orange cloth mm -hmm. instead of an orange cloth trying to be a purple cloth, now afraid that everybody's going to find out that you're orange cloth. None of you are cloths, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that I've learned over this past year and a half, uh, probably like a year now, uh, is how to eliminate that out of my life. Like el eliminate, eliminate cancer out of my life. You mean right? get rid of people that don't want to be there mm -hmm. or shouldn't be there. You right. attracted the wrong people. Uh, not even attracted the wrong people. I mean, sure, it's 50-50, man. Like, I could, I could attract the wrong people or I could be investing time into the wrong people. Like, sure. I could go and seek them, right? Uh, you're a blue cloth and you're out there spending all this time with a bunch of pink cloths. Right, and I'm just not that, right. right? I'm not that. Like, I'm a, if I'm a blue cloth, like, if I'm a blue cloth, then, like, you're a blue cloth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because you and I are very similar in, like, a lot of ways. We have differences, but, like, we're similar in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? As opposed to... Um, like even recently, bro, like, uh, remember after the movie when mm -hmm. we were talking, like at, right after that, dude, right after that, cut it, you know, cut it with, cut it with a few people, right. That don't, uh, have, um, the same, that don't have ambitions or that don't have people uh, of a color that they are, but trying to be a different color. Exactly. Yeah. People. I don't think the color in this sense means matters to me, right? Like, and the colors are just representation of different, not races of people, right? But different groups of people, however you want to divide people up, right? At the end of the day, there's really just one color cloth and then a bunch of people dyeing their cloth to be somewhat different. But to me, right, and I guess this is what I'm like, what you're saying, so people can get a view of when he's saying, like, he's not like, I'm a blue cloth and I only hang out with blue cloths. Not at all. Right? It's like, I'm a blue cloth. You're a red cloth, you're an orange cloth, and that's cool. Be those colors and let's kick it. Just don't be an orange cloth trying to be a blue cloth so you can hang out with me. Right. Like, let's pick a color, man, and, and stick with it, but don't. Or continuously be in flux and changing whatever it is. Um, if that's who you are, then just be that person. You don't have to change yourself to hang out with people because what you'll find out is when you are who you are and people get to accept you for who you are, and not pretending to be somebody else, you're going to build real friendships that are connections that can't be broken. And it's not because you're necessarily just like me, but in the way that you're like me is the way that you are yourself. And there's something special about attracting other people, even if you're not exactly the same, that are just themselves, man. Yeah. It's beautiful to be around people who are just who they are and, and know who they are. You don't have to read in the shit. I mean, so you ever heard that saying opposites attract? Yes. I think that's true to a very limited extent. Okay. Right? Uh, and here's why. Uh, I think that um, that you are who you surround yourself with, right? So. so if you want to if you want to be positive and you want to achieve your goals, right, and you're journaling every day, like like I do, you still do it, right? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. Like not you, every day, but I do it a lot. Yeah, like I'll, you do. I go through flux of every day, and then I'll do it when I need to. Right. Like I guess what I'm getting at here is you you'll go through these, um, you'll have all these good tendencies, right, and all these positive tendencies, uh, and then um, what'll happen is like maybe you'll start surrounding yourself with people who um, don't do that, right? Who never do that? Who never talk about it or whatever? Um, therefore, like it doesn't it doesn't stay as clear in your mind to do. 
But if you surround yourself with people who do do that every day, who are constantly talking to you about it, right? Trying to further their lives and things like that. It's much easier for you to keep that in your mind because that's what you are around. You're constantly going to the washing machine. Right, right. Like, I think, I think that, uh, like, say, opposites attract in some facets of life, sure. Like, uh, uh, n- night will always follow day around, uh-huh. right? Uh Women and men, men and men, whatever, right? Uh-huh. Yin and yang, yeah. right? Um, sure, opposites attract, but uh, I think long. I guess the easy way to say it is like uh, you are you are who you surround yourself with, right? And Will Smith says it real good. He said, uh, "He's like picture like all of your dreams and your ambitions and everything as a fire right in front of you, you know." And then he's, and then he asks you to open up your phone, right? And he's like, look at the last five people that you've called or that you've talked to or texted or whatever. And ask yourself this real question. Ask yourself if these five people are uh, putting uh, lighter fluid and gas on this fire to make it into a, an, an inferno, right? Or are they pissing on it? Uh-huh. You know? And I firmly, firmly believe that, you know, that like without... Uh, a good base, a good home base of people that you can remain accountable to, that you can remain open with, uh, that you can just uh, feel free to be who you are around, uh, then you will live a very long, sometimes short, uh, maybe not a miserable life, but you would never find the happiness that you would being true and authentic to yourself. 100%. You know? There's nothing like that. And it's... Yeah. And I believe that uh, in a sense that unauthentic people are attracted by authentic people and authentic people attract unauthentic people in a way, right? Oh, for sure. And I also believe that um, being around people who are constantly trying to, or not constantly, but in a state of acceptance of who they are and are in a state of accepting who they are and then continuing to discover who they are and then continuing to change and allow themselves to change who they are is a very cathartic place to be. To be working with people who are constantly in, a, in an effort to just, to just grow, to just allow themselves to grow because when you're around people, right, that are constantly picking up stains using things to really block who they are, right? Money, clothes, prestige, honor, women, men, right? Validation, a job title to cover the true self and use those things as identity, right? When you're around those people, it's tiring, man. It takes a lot of energy to use things to be you instead of just being you and the things around you just be something that happens as a result of you being you. When you make money because that's just who you are, then you just make money. But when you use money to be who you are, then that's just a negative attribute. Yeah. Because then you're terrified to lose it. That's what, that's what Barcelona taught me, man. When you and I were, when it was just us mm-hmm. for how many days? Like six seven, days? Seven? seven? Six days? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, seven days. You're right, you're right, seven days. Um, were we there for nine? No, we weren't there for nine because we lost a day. So we, we left for eight or nine, and we only spent like seven there. Yeah. So we'll go eight. Yeah. 
when you and I were there for eight days, right? And I noticed that like, it was super cool, man, because like we did not go with a plan really. No, nah, you know, so like, dope. Yeah, we just do whatever the fuck. We yeah, wanted. we were just like Google cool shit to do in Barcelona, and then we would pick something like a day, and we would just go and do it, right? Yeah. Um, but the cool thing was, man, was that like after eight days spent uh, that I had spent with nobody, nobody but you, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that we were in a different country, so my communication with people back here was limited. You used right? Roger to watch to watch his body. This dude lied to him at the store in Barcelona. He lied to me. I forgot about that. Yeah, that shit was hilarious. We were talking about that at dinner tonight with Tyler. Smelled good though. Yeah, he smelled delicious, bro. Yeah. Mint. Soft skin, dude. Mm-hmm. Vaginal wash. Vaginal wash, baby. I can't believe you didn't use it. Anyways. Anyways, either either way, dude, like what I what I was getting at with that though was like I could be anywhere, anywhere else in the world right now, right? But here I am with my best friend across like somewhere else on earth, like on this huge planet, right? And we're all the way over here. And like never once did we even come close to uh having any sort of argument or like I want to do this or I want to do that you know what I'm saying like it was just a completely uh organic you did shit on your own um yeah if I didn't want to do it you're like all right I'm out I'll see you yeah I'll be back yeah dude it was I don't know man it was just no bickering yeah you need to do it this way because if you don't go with me I won't be happy yeah but I'm mad at you for not doing exactly what I want yeah yeah it's exactly that dude like it's my life a year and a half ago was, or at that time, probably like eight, nine months before was so different. It was so different, man. Like I was, I was doing nothing, nothing with my life, you know? Um, and then I woke up at like four in the afternoon because Marcus and I never got acclimated at the time. Never. We steady went to bed at like five, six in the morning. Every great. every morning, yeah. We just wake up and just go whenever. Just get it. Yeah, you got definitely sick when we got back. Yeah, yeah. By the time we got off the plane and I was in the car in the back seat, I was I was like really it was really bad. But uh my life had changed so much just from a simple perspective change on myself, right? Perspective is it all. Yeah. Just trying not to impress anybody right? Not trying to, uh, to do anything, uh, just to impress other people. But I rather, I found more pleasure in impressing myself, Hundred percent. you know, like my goal last year was to leave, a, was to leave the country. Right. And I did that, you know, I did that. And I, uh, I don't know, man, it was so much more rewarding, you know, when we were, uh, when we were, when we were leaving, when we were leaving Barcelona, I think it, it all hit me, man, when I was, when we were sitting in Madrid at the airport and I was like, holy shit, like we just traveled like across the planet, you know, we traveled how many hours? 12, I think the last 12, yeah, 12 straight hours, 12 straight hours on a plane across, an, across an ocean, you know, to go and, and experience uh, a different culture, a different way of life. And it was so beautiful. It was so, it was so dope. And I firmly believe, dude, that like if I hadn't made the changes with the people that I was surrounding myself with in my life, that that would have never happened. 100%. Or you would not have the same experience. Right. You would have got there and it would have been too busy worried about what they think of you and doing what they want to do than to do things that you wanted to do and be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, 
I don't know, man. I it was just such a cool experience. I got called cabron twice. Yeah. Once by a cop. Yes. Was he a cop? <laughs> or like a railroad railroad or police officer? Yeah. Subway subway cop. I honestly thought it meant badass. No. Yeah. It meant shithead. Yeah. Yeah. Or like bitch. Yeah, Somebody told like me that. it meant bitch. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. You took it well though. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was like cabron, and I was like, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. I've never been called Cabron before. Yeah. I appreciate that compliment. Yeah. And he's like, fuck. Bert, yeah, Bert told me that it was a good thing. Yeah, Bert, Bert was fucking with me. Yeah. yeah. That's not funny. So, uh, last final question. I appreciate you having me on this uh, this episode of Conscious Stoic. Um, episodes will be available on our website, www.consciousstoic.com, as well as YouTube. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else you get your podcast. Um, but one final question for our loyal listeners. Um, you have a time machine, and the Nick now goes back to the Nick that used to be the nerdy kid who's getting bullied, and you have exactly how old are you? About to be 29. So you got 28 minutes to give him advice. Tell I'll say that. 28 seconds. 28 seconds. All right. What advice would you give him? Hold on. Just hold on. It gets better. You know, it, you won't, it will not always be like this. You just hold on. That's what I would tell him. That's cool, man. And any advice for our listeners? Yeah. You know, if, uh, if uh, you know, your guys are have any questions for me um, or, you know, you're going through some heartbreak yourself or you don't know if, the people that are around you are the real you. Like, reach out to us, man. You know, reach out to the Conscious Stoic Instagram. My Instagram's wrong way underscore Nick. Uh, be happy to answer any of your questions. Or, um, and reach out to Marcus, man. Marcus, you know, I'm sure if you guys have some sort of experience or anything like that, like Marcus would love to talk to you, maybe have you on or something. Um, yeah, if you want to shoot us an email info at consciousstoic.com, and then our. Instagram is Conscious Stoic, pretty simple. And then Twitter is at Conscious Stoic. Yeah. Follow them on everything. Seriously, there'll be updates and uh, videos and podcasts and everything over there. I know that podcasts aren't the only thing you're doing, right? No, we're doing, doing a bunch of stuff. We're doing a bunch of stuff, videos, a bunch of different stuff. Just go out and check out our website, www.consciousstoic.com, for all information and updates on any of our, our uh, podcasts, right? Or anything that we do, we'll have shirts and a shop and a bunch of different things for you guys to to look at. And um, and we'd love to, to hear from you, man. Like, that's the key. That's the whole point of this podcast is to build connection with people. And our belief, connection with people and hearing other people's stories and looking at different perspectives of life can help us change our perspective. And by changing our perspective, it can change everything that we experience. And that's the belief, man. Experience is, is life itself, you know, and, and if you're not having an experience that you like, you can always change that experience through your perspective. And things that you do now that seem so hard and tedious um, in a year could be something that you absolutely enjoy. Yeah, just hold on. Hold the fuck on. Yep. It's what Nick Mosley says. Mm-hmm. That's going to be what we put. That's going to be the name of this episode. Mm-hmm. Hold the fuck on. Hold the fuck on, baby. That's what's up, man. I appreciate you, bro. All right. Thank you. Later, guys.